Hello everyone and welcome to episode two of Property Investing, brought to you by Real Estate Investor. I'm Dennis Wong and in this podcast, I will be providing some updates in relation to the federal budget changes and how they will affect investors when it comes to depreciation claims, provide some tips on how to use discount as a property investment strategy and we'll be joined by James Lawrence, also from Real Estate Investor, to provide you with his top 10 tips for brand new investors. So let's get straight into this episode and talk about the depreciation changes from the federal budget. As you're all probably aware, at 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday, the 9th of May, the federal budget announcement included proposed changes that will affect the way property investors can claim depreciation in Australia. Now, we recently co-hosted a webinar with Tyron Hyde, who is the director of Washington Brown. They are depreciation specialists and they prepare thousands of depreciation schedules every year for all types of property whether it's residential, commercial, retail, etc. Now, there is still a lot of speculation and uncertainty due to the wording of the legislation, but what I can confirm is the following. Number one, from the 1st of July 2017, the government will limit plant and equipment depreciation deductions to outlays actually incurred by investors in residential real estate properties. The key here is the words actually incurred. This means if I buy a secondhand property today, I am no longer able to claim the depreciation off the plant and equipment items such as the oven, carpets, air conditioners, lights, blinds or the dishwasher as I didn't actually pay for these items. I didn't incur the cost for these items. Now for those in an apartment complex where there is also common property or you're part of a strata title, this means you won't be able to claim on things like the lifts, well your portion of the lifts smoke detectors, common carpet in the halls, and garage motor doors. Secondly, if you exchange contracts prior to 7.30pm on Tuesday the 9th of May, the proposed changes will not affect you. This means if you purchased a property before 7.30pm on the 9th of May and already have a depreciation schedule, nothing changes. You can continue to claim depreciation exactly how it is. To confirm, you only need to have exchanged contracts. The property may not have settled yet. If this is you, then you'll be exempt from these changes. Third, the proposed changes only affect residential properties. Offices, industrial properties, and retail properties are not affected. Number four, there are no changes to the building allowance or the Division 43 deductions. The budget changes only affect plant and equipment. This means you can still claim depreciation on the structure of the building. These include items such as the brickwork, concrete, the roof and the scaffolding. The current rule still applies in that the building must be built after the 16th of September 1987. So you will still need a quantity surveyor to estimate the cost for these items to prepare a depreciation schedule for you. Now these are things that Tyron has been able to confirm and he has been in contact with Treasury as there's still a lot of uncertainty on other items. A couple of examples include do the changes affect existing property only or new off the plan property as well. There's no clarification yet and the response from the government at the moment is we're formulating this budget measure. Now what is unclear with off the plan property is who actually pays or incurs for the plant and equipment. Is it the buyer or is it in fact the developer? And if a brand new property has been on the market for a month and I now buy it, 
is the plant and equipment items such as the oven and air conditioner now being classified as being an existing item. Now what about a property that has a retail space at the front and residential space at the back? Or a medical suite downstairs and residential upstairs? What if there's ducted air conditioning that goes throughout the whole building? Does this mean you can only claim the half that's in the commercial property space only? What if the controls and, uh, and unit are in the residential side? So hopefully we'll get more clarity over the coming weeks, but what is certain is that these changes will affect the after-tax cash flow for investors. Now a property that may have been cash flow positive under the existing rules may now be neutral or negative because of the reduced depreciation benefits. Now if you like more information, you can watch the webinar we ran with Washington Brown on our blog at blog.realestateinvestor.com.au. Once we have more clarity, I'll confirm these details in one of our future podcasts. Now for our next topic, I'd like to talk about buying property at a discount and how it can be a great strategy for any property investor as it can help you create instant chunks of equity. Now the challenge is finding a property that's genuinely at a discount among the thousands of properties that are on the market. What's also important is the ability to find a property not only at a discount, but also below market value. Believe it or not, you can actually purchase a property at a discount, but still pay too much. Now what I mean by that is, for example, when a property is listed at $500,000 and a buyer goes in, negotiates with the vendor's agent and manages to secure the property at, say, $470,000, the buyer is able to bring the, buyer, uh, the seller down by $30,000, so it's definitely a great result. However, if the buyer had done their research, they may have discovered that the most expensive comparable property ever paid in that suburb was $430,000. Now this essentially means they've overpaid by $40,000 when comparing it to the market. Now this can be detrimental to an investor because it reduces their equity position and the, the ability to be able to buy another property in the immediate future. It's now a waiting game as the buyer has to wait for the market to catch up to the price they paid and this could take years. What I'd like to do is share with you some essential tips that you can use to help you find your next discounted investment property. Finding a motivated seller is the first tip because the seller may be under time pressure to get the property sold. Some factors to look out for include the length of time the property has been on the market and a falling listing price. Researching the suburb health is very important because it will give you an indication on whether the value of your target property will increase or decrease in value once you purchase. Now review the time it takes for properties to sell auction clearance rates, the level of end discounting, and 10-year capital growth trends. Another tip is to make sure you get a market valuation of the property. This is very important as this will allow you to compare it to the asking price. Is it really at a discount? Is it potentially undervalued as well? With market valuation research tools such as Real Estate Investors Pro Membership, any investor will be able to generate these estimates. The next tip I'd like to share with you is to make sure you check the property's listing history. You know, how many real estate agents have they listed with? Did it pass in at auction? How much has the price dropped? You know, these are important things to check because it can help you when negotiating a further discount price. Research, research, research. You know, make sure you review similar properties that have sold around your target property. Look at properties with the same bedroom and bathroom count, similar land sizes, and see if the numbers stack up and whether your target property does stand out as being at a discounted price. Crunch the numbers is also something I recommend you do 
so you know exactly what your cash flow and capital growth projections will be. For those who are conservative like myself, I like to run the numbers with slightly higher costs like interest rates and council costs and see how that will affect my potential cash flow. This will allow you to see whether you can afford to hold the property and that's not going to be detrimental for your portfolio. Finally, make sure you set a maximum ceiling purchase price and don't let your emotions take over, especially at auction. I understand how competitive it can get at auction. You know, your adrenaline is probably running high and you've been in a bidding war with one other person. You just don't want to lose out. But at the end of the day, it's all about the numbers. So make sure you stick to your budget. In the next part of our podcast, uh, we're lucky to have uh, James Lawrence, the marketing manager for Real Estate Investor, join us uh, to provide you with uh, his top 10 tips for brand new investors. So James, uh, welcome back to Property Investing Podcast. Thank you, Yanis. Thanks for inviting me. No, not a problem at all. And yeah, look, I thought it might be a good opportunity to uh, have you along uh, for episode two. Uh, we probably have uh, first-time listeners and first-time investors. Uh, might be a good opportunity, especially for those that are looking for the first investment property, to give them some some tips to help them along the way. Absolutely, uh, back for episode two, attack of the first-time property investors. <laughs> for those uh, uh, listeners out there that uh, Star Wars fans, you'll probably understand uh, his comment there. But uh, yeah, look, I guess um, you know what what would you um, I guess uh, say is uh, the number one tip or the first tip. Uh, investors should uh, be considering before they, you know, start looking for a property? Yeah, good question. So um, if I cast my mind back to when I first started my property investing journey, uh, maybe look at some of the mistakes I made and the lessons I've learned on the, along the way, um, I think it's really important that all investors set themselves some goals that they're hoping to achieve throughout, throughout their property investing journey. Um, and make those goals smart. So this is something we talk about in some of our webinars. Yes, definitely. Um, so they're going to be specific. Uh, you need to be able to measure them. Uh, need to be achievable. Um, they also need to be realistic and timely. Is the last one. Very good. I was hoping you were going to dig me out of that hole. I was, <laughs> I was struggling to remember them myself, but good man, Dennis. Yeah. So set yourself goals um, that achieve all those those five points. Um, and in those goals, I, I think it's also important to you know, set, set your strategy in terms of what you want to achieve from, from each property. Um, you, know, you, you probably know a bit more about this than I, but there are a whole bunch of different strategies that you can, you can look to or hope to achieve from, from your investments. Yeah, look, there definitely is. And not, not all strategy is going to fit every investor. So uh, you know, if you're starting out, definitely recommend that you seek um, you know, financial advice or professional advice to get a really good understanding of your, you know, current situation, you know, what assets do you have, what are your finances like, because different strategies will allow you to be able to buy more property um, over the long term. So uh, it's really important that you do that. And when you're setting goals, you know, it's not just setting a goal to acquire, you know, one property, but you know, obviously if, if your goal is to buy one property only and, and leave it till you retire, then great. But really your goals need to allow you to say, okay, well, by buying this first property, 
that should allow you then to be able to tap into, say, surplus equity or use any surplus cash to maybe buy your, your second one. You need to look down the line. Yeah, that's good advice, I think, Dennis. And you know, broadly speaking, just think, think to yourself, you know, are you looking for long-term capital growth? Are you looking to boost your cash flow? Do you want to buy a property that you can you know, renovate and add value to? Um, do you want to maybe look at some of the more risky asset classes like subdivisional developments? It really all depends on and what you're looking to achieve, your level of comfort with risk, um, and your expected returns. So, I mean, if you do go to our blog, you'll find lots of resource there on you know, more tips for, for how to set your goals and how to choose the asset class. But, yeah, I think just to sum up, it's really important that you have a, a good understanding of what those goals are going to be and you know, get a proper plan in place of how you're going to get there. Yeah, definitely. Very, very good advice. So uh, what about your second tip? What, what would you suggest um, first-time investors do next? Uh, well, I mean, thinking back from when I started, I made sure that I had a you know, good, reliable team of people around me to help me with, with my investing. And I think you know, treat your property investment like a business. And if you were setting up a business for the first time, you, you don't want to do it by yourself. You're no. going to have to bring in people in other areas of expertise that, that can help you in, in, in areas that you might be short yourself. So, I mean, broadly speaking, you know, a good mortgage broker is yeah, going to help. definitely agree. Um, and you've got you know, a team of you know, reliable trades tradespeople that can help you with any repairs and maintenance. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and even more important, I guess, if you're um, implementing renovations as a strategy, you're going to need them on an ongoing basis, so you want to make sure you've got good relationships with them. That's right. I'm just doing a run out at the moment, and uh, it's very important that we had a you know, plumber, electrician, general handyman, plasterer. I'm going to do some of the painting myself, but you need to make sure you've got all these people lined up and they are, reli- and they are reliable. We all know how busy tradespeople get, and the last thing you want to do is be let down and have it delay your reno, so it's going to cost you more in the long term. So. Yeah, make sure you've got those good, reliable people on call for when you need them. Yeah, definitely. And, and an accountant, I think, is also really important. Um, you know, they can really help with tax questions. Um, I actually changed accountants during my uh, property investing uh, life. Um, you know, my first accountant didn't actually um, invest himself. He was sort of old school and just bought the one, you know, property and, uh, you know, principal and interest just pay off his loan. So I, I changed, did some research on different accountants, found someone else who invests in property, who deals with property investors, um, you know, basically could understand um, more of the advanced uh, things that you can do with structures and, and tax and, and, and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, but I've actually just changed accountants as well based on a recommendation of, of someone that was particularly good for property investors, we are just coming up to tax time, so it's critical that everyone claims their full legal entitlement. That's one of the main benefits of property investing, that you you can negative gear and, and offset um, any loss against your income and you know, the benefits that can bring. So absolutely, that's really important. Yeah, look, and interesting that you say that as well. So with tax time money, you know, a week away, um, you know, having a, a quantity surveyor that can um, you know give you um, an experienced one that can that knows all the ins and outs of what you can depreciate 
So really important too that you make sure you have a you know a depreciation schedule for all your properties. Again, if you're renovating, there there are things like scrapping schedules. You may be able to claim on some of the stuff that you're throwing out as well. So you don't want to miss out on any money that you're entitled to. Um, okay. So uh, what what next? You know, so we're going to set some goals. You're, you know, getting your, your yourself building yourself up a team around you. What should we do next? Um, well, in my view. Uh, research is so important. Um, uh, broadly speaking, the more research and, and effort you put in before you buy a property, probably the, the less mistakes you're going to make and, and it's going to benefit you more long term. So, I mean, putting it very simply, your goal is to buy the right property at the right time in the right location at the right price. And that, that may sound fairly simplistic, but if you break down that statement, um, and ensure you've got the latest data and stats to back you up. You can hopefully ensure that every decision that you do make, you're confident with, and you can back it up with with facts and figures and not emotion. Yeah, definitely agree. And you know, I guess some of the numbers that you should be looking at uh, things like comparable sale prices, rental yields, uh, having a look at uh, days on market. You know, you want to see lower numbers there. That means it's a faster moving market and depending on your strategy again, you know, if you're buying and holding, you want to make sure that you can uh, rent your property out. Or if you're renovating and selling or subdividing and selling or developing and selling, you want to make sure there's a market out there that of people that are looking at buying your property too. Because if not, then you're going to have uh, very expensive holding costs um, and essentially not going to be making a return. So yeah, very, very important the research side of it. Definitely agree there, James. And um, so that's your, I guess, your third tip. Um, yeah, just just to just to let all of our listeners know that our pro membership does give you access at your fingertips to all the data you're going to need. So, so sales history, on the market history, recent sales, recent comparable rents, clearance rates, auction rates. So everything you really need to gauge how much to pay for that property, how it's likely to perform in the future, and the supply and demand within a suburb. You can you can um, glean from our our property investment platform. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go to our website and um, sign up. We'd love to have you as a member. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So after that, then I guess what else should you should you be should first time investors be considering? Uh, well, be realistic. I think um, as we all know, investments can go up in value and down. There's, it's an old catchphrase, but I think if you're going to learn something from that, take a long-term view. Don't overcommit yourself too early. Uh, you, you know, we don't want to stretch ourselves too much. And remember that you know, property generally is a long-term investment. Um, and be wary of buying something and, and feeling that you're going to make very quick profits. I mean, you might be lucky, but... If you get the fundamentals right and think for the long term, I think that will stand you in good stead. Yeah, that's right. And, and look, there, there is obviously um, pockets in Sydney and Melbourne where a lot of investors have enjoyed that um, that growth in such a very short period of time. But you know, it doesn't happen everywhere, and it's not realistic to actually expect that to, to happen for every property that you that you get into. So you know, again, you know, there's there's, there's a lot of TV shows around too now. You know the uh, showing that you can make a lot of profit in such a short period of time, but again, it, it's not going to happen for everyone, and it's not going to um, uh, 
be available. It's not going to, you know, every property is not going to do that for you. So um, definitely completely agree. It is a long-term, uh, you've got to be patient. So I mean, generally, if you're investing in property, it is a long-term investment, but definitely over a 10, 15-year period, if you've done the research and you've uh, done the numbers, you, you should be seeing a good financial return at the end. Yeah, agree. Absolutely. All right, so what next then, James? So, you know, be realistic. So be realistic. Have we talked about finance yet? We I think we briefly mentioned mortgage brokers, but... Mm -hmm, just a little bit, yeah. Um, but, like, choosing the right type of finance and getting your finance structure correctly organised up front is really going to help you. Um, so don't necessarily, you know, approach your bank for a loan just because you happen to bank with them. Um, no, you can use a mortgage broker, particularly one that has all specialises in finance for property investors and shop around to make sure that you're getting the loan that's best suited to your particular property and your long-term goals. Yeah, look, that, that, that's completely right. I mean, look, if you if you think about it, if you you know you'll, you'll have with your own home, your PPR, you'll be it'll be the loan be with, with one lender, and um, it's you know. Uh, you, you'll tend to go back to them for your next loan, but you know they'll only have access to their own loan products, which may not actually suit you. Whereas a mortgage broker will have access to a number of different lenders, yeah. and they'll have access to a lot more different products that might suit you better. And just remember as well that you know having the lowest interest rate may not be the best option for you because you may need things like redraw or having offset accounts. You know, what if you need to, for whatever reason, need to withdraw a large amount of money uh, for medical bills or whatever it may be? You know, having those facilities um, is going to give you the flexibility to be able to do that. So, yeah, look, definitely a really, really good tip there. Yeah. Um, just when you were saying about you know, approaching the same lender for, for multiple loans, just be wary of cross-collateralization and, and um, some of the potential pitfalls of doing that yeah and again look that may suit some investors especially if you're only looking at maybe one investment property because um you know you're not looking at obviously tapping in any more equity you don't need a cash deposit just take you know uh, collateralize your loan to your, your own home but again if you're looking at building a big portfolio or looking at growing your portfolio then it's really important to understand the pros and cons of cross collateralization or using standalone loans yeah, just just to say, me, me and Dennis are both a little croaky this afternoon, so apologies for that. <laughs> We've both got this um, cold that seems to be going around, but that's not stopping us. We're, we're still podcasting on a Friday. Afternoon. We are. We'll soldier on. That's it. Um, so next point, um, no, choose each property carefully. So it may sound like a bit of a cliche, but make sure you fall in love with the numbers and not with the property. It's a mistake that first, first, some first-time investors make. They see a property and they're thinking more with their heart than their head. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if there's that man cave at that house, why shouldn't I buy it? <laughs> exactly. And that might that, that may appeal to your target market. Now, in terms of who you, who you want to rent that property to, it may be you're going you know, for a similar demographic as, as what you are, but um, that may not necessarily be the case. So... Yeah, make sure you do a full cash flow and growth forecast, which again we can help you with a, a real estate investor, and make sure the numbers stack up before you commit. 
yeah, try, try and, you know, I guess the key there is try and take the emotion out of it. You know, you're not going to be living in it, um, you know, just because that property doesn't have the, the double sinks and, uh, you know, the man cave. As long as the numbers stack up and it, it fits in with your strategy and what you've just, you know, you planned out, um, that's, that's going to be the main thing. So uh, take care. Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, a good tip there. Um, okay, Dad, so let's just say you've gone through that process yep. and you purchase it. Your property. Excellent. You, you're going to need to manage that. Um, so you can. You've got two options really. You can manage it yourself. Mm -hmm. and you can potentially save on those commission costs, which yes. might be uh, between sort of five and six percent typically. Yeah. Well, up in Queensland, I think it's more around eight, eight to ten percent can be. Oh, so yeah. So it just okay. depends on where it is. Yeah. So I've just I just renegotiated my uh, with my property management company. Yep. Um, and it's amazing what they do if you if you say you think you're moving to yeah. another company. So just be aware that you can always negotiate with property managers and your bank for a better interest rate. Don't don't always accept their first offer because there might be some wriggle room there. Yeah, look, and, and there's a lot of um, uh, competition out there. Um, you know, don't you know? It's not just real estate agents. You know, I I recently moved uh, property manager. Um, in Brisbane, you know, they all they do is specialise in rentals. So, you know, and they charge a lot less than the, the 8% that I was getting and what I was getting quoted on as well. So, you know, definitely shop around and I'm sure you can you definitely find yourself a good deal. Yeah, so if you are going to go down the route where you, you choose a company to manage it for you, um, and there is actually a blog on our, on our website which sort of lists the pros and cons of managing yourself versus using a property manager so feel free to check that out but if you do use a property manager they look for experience um particularly in the suburb where your, your property is you know the credentials you can ask for testimonials and references so do do your due diligence carefully you'll be paying them five five to six percent or maybe more like dennis said so make sure you're going to get your money's worth Fantastic. So I guess, James, so you, you found your property manager, you know, they're now looking after your property. Um, you know, any other tips from that point on? Well, it's not going to be just a set and forget. Like we said, you've got to treat treat this as a business. So as with all businesses, you want to try and optimise. Um, so there's lots of things you can do there. We, we may have briefly touched upon them a few, a few moments ago, but you can regularly re review your rents. So make sure you're getting the, the the appropriate market market rent for your property. You can review your interest rate, so you can approach your lender to make sure you're on the you know, the best possible rate. And quite often, if you you know if you go to them with a with a competitor's rate, quite often they match it. I've done that a number of times, and it's amazing what they will do if you if they think you you're going to take your business elsewhere. Mm. So don't be afraid to do that. Um, always claim the available depreciation so you get your maximum claim at tax time we partner with Washington Brown in that space who have always done a great job for our members and you can find out more about them on our website and we've recently done a webinar with, with Tyron who, That's right. who's um, you know, managing director of Washington Brown an expert in that field and yeah, just regularly optimise your portfolio to making sure that your, your cash flow is as good as it can be. Yeah. 
Yeah, making sure that your property manager, I guess, is you know increasing rent in line with market. So definitely important that you're not missing out on any uh, any income there. Um, and look, anything else, James? I think um, so. We've optimised it, and then yep. you just need to make sure you, you're tracking its performance. So your your portfolio's performance. So know your numbers, know your cash flow and your equity position. So if you've got them to hand, then you're going to know when the right time is to to reinvest. So okay. Where maybe you can pull out some equity and you know, grow your portfolio. Um. So yeah, that's probably. How many tips have we done? Is that nine or ten? I think you said we're going to do ten. Yeah, I think. Um, well, probably I guess lastly, um, is making sure that you, as part of the research, is having access to to, to the data. Yeah. So you know, yeah. make sure you've got a real estate investor. Uh, if not, you know, there are a lot of free tools out there too. So, you know, there's a lot of sites out there. You know, with the uh, increasing uh, availability of technology and data, you know, you make sure you do as much research as you can, but with paid memberships such as ourselves, you know, we give you a lot more than what the free sites do. So having access to that's going to, you know, ensure that you reduce your risk, that you're going to be investing better. Um, hopefully then you're going to be growing a portfolio that's going to perform uh, much more effectively for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to finish off, yeah, like, like you were saying, there is a, lot, a whole lot of free information out there that you can educate yourself with. Podcasts like this, we have a blog, we do webinars, so it's all freely available. And make sure you you take advantage of that. Um, so I think that's it for my ten tips. Dennis? Yeah, fantastic, James. So look, well, thank you very much for joining me in this episode, and oh, I look pleasure. forward to having you on in one of our future episodes in the very near future. Yeah, I think. So, like I said, I'm doing a reno at the moment, so I think next week might, we might do a bit of a reno special, and I'll, we can talk about. Our top 10 tips maybe for renovations. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dennis. Well, that's it for our second property investing podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I want to uh, thank James Lawrence for joining us and giving us his top 10 tips for first-time investors. And a special shout-out to our producer, Ed, uh, for putting these podcasts together. So, uh, look, thanks so much, Ed, for uh, all your hard work so far. And, uh, look, I hope you can tune in to our next podcast uh, where I will be providing tips for investing in cash flow positive properties. There will be a property update from Dr. Nicola Power from the Domain Group and also some useful information for those investors looking at renovations. Finally, for any of our listeners interested to see whether our premium membership can help them invest, feel free to take advantage of a free property investing strategy session. Uh, to book yours, go to our website, realestateinvestor.com.au and click on the banner at the top of the page. So until our next episode, happy investing and I'll catch you next time.